0: so you open google chrome on your phone you're hunting for a super rare first edition vinyl of a band you're obsessed with when you're supposed to be working but the site you tapped on seems pretty shady and daryl from it just jumped up from his desk oh no he's coming your way it's a good thing built-in malware protection keeps you safe and sound not from daryl though sorry there's no place like chrome download google chrome on your phone
1: Welcome to our first episode. Woo-woo! Oh, it's going to be good. (laughs) This week on our first episode, we are going to talk about...
0: Emotional...
1: Intelligence.
0: intelligence. (laughs) I still love looking at that graph that shows Google searches for emotional intelligence before you mentioned it on the show and then after.
1: It's really insane. I brought it up on... The Bachelor, and it was quite a controversial topic. People didn't understand that emotional intelligence was a thing and thought that I was calling someone stupid. Um, EQ and IQ are very different, which we'll get into today. Yes. Um, but yeah, the, the Google analytics were really crazy to look at. It was over a span of five of the last five years. It was the highest it had ever been. Oh, wow! In those five years. Um, because everyone was like, wait, what is this emotional intelligence? What is she talking about? Um, and I got so many messages online, so many emails. Literally still to this day, it's almost been a year now since the show aired. And yeah. I still get messages and comments. EQ, EQ, what is emotional intelligence? What is, what Are do you, you emotionally intelligent? What do you
0: tell people now? What is, <laughs> do you have a go-to answer of like, how you can sum this up in a way that can most easily be understood by lay people like me?
1: Yeah. I mean, basically what I just say is it's just about like being in touch with your emotions and being able to manage them and, you know, identify what you're feeling and, um, be able to like help perceive that in other people. It's, I, I don't think it's as complicated of a topic as, it sounds like it might be like I think of IQ and I'm like, I don't even know what IQ is. Like, it's just people being very smart and knowing numbers and (laughs) important things. Um, But like when I think of emotional intelligence, I just think of being in touch with your emotions, being able to manage your emotions. Um, And hopefully you guys will have, A better understanding of what emotional intelligence is. At the end of this episode, uh, Kit and I did a little bit of like extra research to make sure Mm -hmm. we were giving you guys accurate information. Um, Because, like we said, you know, we're not particularly uh, specialized in any of the areas or the topics that we're going to talk about, but, you know, there are things that we've kind of worked over the last few years on in terms of personal growth and um, part of what I've learned throughout my schooling as well. Um, So
0: I've found it really helpful to kind of break down who we are as people into uh, different categories. And and one of the ways that um, I saw it broken down was IQ and EQ, but also adding this third component of personality Mm -hmm. and how we're kind of these swirling, mix of those three things.
1: Yes. Uh, So Daniel Goleman, who kind of popularized emotional intelligence, he wasn't the founder creator or whatever, but he had read this book by these guys uh, who did develop it. And one of the quotes from him that I actually really like, uh, he said, if your emotional abilities aren't in hand, if you don't have self-awareness, if you are not able to manage your distressing emotions... If you can't have empathy and have effective relationships, then no matter how smart you are, you are not going to get very far.
0: Yeah. And I think all the research has shown that lately. You know, when you do any kind of analysis of the top performers in any field, most of those performers, no matter those top performers, no matter what field it is, whether it's a a business or, a, or a, an artistic endeavor, whatever it is. Most of the people in that top percentage of people that are performing very high all have very high emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. abilities and they've refined that part of uh, who they are. And what I think is actually really encouraging is IQ is something that is fairly static. It's something you're kind of born Mm -hmm. with, a certain intelligence that you you can... get more educated of course and that's awesome and then you're also kind of given a personality that you again you can find a balance of and you can find a way to to be more or less you know effective with your personality and it's pretty balance.
1: like consistent throughout but the lifespan
0: it's, it's it's something you're kind of given uh you're more naturally introverted or more naturally extroverted but i think our emotional intelligence is the thing that we have the most power and control to change and to 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 actually grow like a muscle,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is um, which is which is good because if you want a it's quite
1: positive, if
0: you want a thing <laughs> that you can you know you can't just make yourself smarter. Yeah. You can educate yourself over a long period of time and gradually grow stronger, uh, smarter. But uh, the muscle of emotional intelligence is something that is um, a very very tangible thing, and I think it's something that we can see very quick results from mm-hmm. if we give it some attention.
1: Yeah. And hopefully, you know, by the end of this episode, you guys will have some tools to kind of take away to hopefully improve your EQ.
0: I saw one uh, way of, well, it was just a different way of saying emotional intelligence, but someone described it as emotional intimacy, mm. which I thought was interesting, I like that. especially when we're talking about the different levels uh, within emotional intelligence, because one of the levels of emotional intelligence is our sense of self awareness. Mm
1: -hmm, That's That's the first
0: one. Yeah. And and that's a a good place to start. And if you initially walk into it, uh, thinking of emotional intelligence, but also having in your brain this phrase, emotional intimacy, Mm -hmm. I think it helps us say, okay, what what, to be intimate with someone is to get to know them very, very personally. You know, think if, if I'm intimate with, if you took, if you're thinking of two people as being intimate with each other, there's not a lot that they're hiding. They're very, they're, it's very raw and it's very open. And to get that way with ourselves mm-hmm. and our understanding of our emotional state, I think is, very is a powerful. great place to start. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I like the emotional intimacy part. I hadn't heard of that yet, but I like it. Yeah. Because it, it's like emotions are a very vulnerable place to be and to experience that is very intimate, even when it's just with ourselves. Let's get a little bit into really the meat of what emotional intelligence is. There are about four main components to emotional intelligence to kind of understand. I feel like they kind of actually build on top of one another. Um, the first one is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And when I think of self-awareness, it's just being aware of myself, being aware of what I'm feeling, why I'm feeling it, um, what makes me feel it, um, and what it feels like giving yourself the space to actually feel the feelings.
0: (laughs) Exactly. There was, there was someone that made this really entertaining periodic chart of human (laughs) emotion. I think it was someone who was, uh, attempting to explain emotional intelligence to a bunch of scientists and they were trying to quantify it. Yeah. Um,
1: and I like this table much better than the original periodic table, by the way. <laughs> chemistry was one of the classes I did not do oh, very well in. Uh,
0: I couldn't even do high school chemistry. Like mm-hmm. something about it didn't work with my brain at all. Yeah. This periodic chart, and we'll put a, a link to this in the in the show description, a link to all the different charts and, and articles that we, we referenced. You can look at it. But it has like... A, like the periodic so literally table. a periodic,
1: tape. A periodic Period- table, of but all, of emotions. Of all these
0: different emotions, everything from, you know, uh, joy and adoration to uh, sensuality and pleasure, but then all the way over to doubt and hesitation and cheer um, and fury.
1: What I like is that at the bottom of it, it <laughs> the two bottom rows are passion and depression. <laughs> so I didn't... I, and, Again, I'm, I'm learning along with you guys here. Um, rapture. Rapture is an emotion.
0: Rapture as an emotion. I usually thought of rapture more as the thing that the Christians experience at the end of the world. <laughs> or right before the end of the world.
1: Yes. Yeah. But
0: to be raptured is, is, is an emotion as well. That's yeah. fascinating. But I think being able to look at that chart and identify... The emotions that you're feeling is is a first step. It's not all of it. Yeah. It's just the very very first step. But just being able to recognize and then put a word around a thing that is a mm-hmm. feeling, and that's kind of difficult and, to do anyway.
1: Well, especially with emotions. I remember working with clients and even just friends and every day. You know, you'll ask someone like, "How are you feeling?" Yeah. or "How does that make you feel?" and more oftentimes than none, people will automatically respond with um, a statement like, "Well, I just really feel like it's not fair because so and so, blah 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 blah," or.
0: And they're describing a thought and not a feeling.
1: Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, no, you're saying you feel like something, something, something. But yeah. what? What? What does that situation... They're just describing a situation. Right. So what does that situation actually make you feel? Hmm. And that's like, it's, it's a very vulnerable place to be. It's very uncomfortable. Um, and oftentimes, I think when we're asked that question, we kind of want to distance ourselves from the emotional part of the situation that might be causing us some kind of distress. Um, and that's actually one of the... Second things was self-management. So like being able to manage those emotions that come up, uh, especially when they're difficult um, is another component.
0: What would be some of the reasons why we would hesitate to name the emotions? Why why is it that we do have a tendency sometimes to Mm -hmm. to walk away from uh, maybe that honest conversation Mm -hmm. with ourselves about what we're feeling?
1: Well, I think because then... There might be this fear that, oh crap! Do I have to do something about this now? <laughs> right. And it, and it's just uncomfortable, especially when it comes to sharing it with other people. Like I know I can reach a place of myself where I can, you know, say, okay, yep, that's how I feel. It really sucks. I really don't like it. That's how I feel. Right. But then to, even just to put it into words, like I think I texted you something this morning um, where I was actually kind of having a little bit of a rough day and it wasn't a feeling specifically, but just to put it into words, what I was actually experiencing and what my thoughts were was very personal, very intimate.
0: But I'd imagine that it, it helped you on some level. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it got it out of your head and it yeah. got it into...
1: And it helps me to then be able to look at like, okay, what can I do? Right. Like I've identified it, I'm feeling it, I'm experiencing it. Now what do I do?
0: Right. And that's, that's when you're on that path of personal development. How does this kind of thing though play out in uh, social things? When you're dealing not with trying to understand yourself, but when you're dealing with trying to understand other people.
1: One thing that I think of is like being in touch with yourself will help you to be able to like operate better in social settings.
0: In an empathic way?
1: Both in an empathic way and in just the connection way. Another component that Goldman talks about under the self-awareness factor here is the Accurate self assessment Mm. as well as self confidence. Um, The realistic self assessment part I find very interesting because I know I can at times be in denial (laughs) of Mm. what I'm feeling or perhaps try to overcompensate or if you're trying to like overestimate yourself in terms of identifying your strengths and your weaknesses. that that accurate self assessment takes us an extra step to really be honest with ourselves.
0: I think an important factor within this accurate assessment is to approach the assessment without judgment. Judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I From think a place that of being open. Because if we uh, uh, are approaching ourselves even with judgment and trying to label an emotion as good mm-hmm. or as bad, yeah. And that's
1: what like, there are no positive or negative emotions. Like I like to look at it as a, the stoplight. Have you heard of that? Mm -mm. Where it's like a red emotion, a yellow emotion and a green emotion. Okay, Where it's like, none are really good or bad. They're not positive or negative, but A, the color is kind of like associated with the feeling and B, it's kind of like, the green, you know, you're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> like the green are usually the more like happy, comfortable emotions, somewhat comfortable. Um, so whereas the, the red are maybe ones where like you want to stop for a second.
0: <laughs> right. On the periodic chart of human emotions, the green ones are a little more on the left. You got your, your joy and love and care and humor. Mm-hmm. And your reds are more on the right with, mm-hmm. um, or I guess farther down. Is the way it works with the heavier ones boredom, envy, anger, agitation.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the self awareness piece, as the first component of the four of emotional intelligence, kind of help you. The the self-awareness kind of helps you to step into the other components. Like I said, they kind of build on top of each other. Uh, So the second component, the self-management part, um, again, is kind of built off of the self-awareness. Self-management piece is about kind of being able to handle your distressing emotions in effective ways. So you can't really handle your distressing emotion if you don't know what you're feeling.
0: Right. Right,
1: so they all kind of build on top of each other, um, but the self management piece is also about harnessing those positive emotions. Um, you know if you 're stuck in a situation and you 're just kind of in a rut of being able to harness that positive emotion that you may have once felt and start exercising that um, the I think that this really is one of the pieces that uh, businesses and corporations have kind of really honed in on uh, because you know emotional intelligence has become. A big training piece in businesses. It's important in our relationships, but also in the business world mm-hmm. um, because oftentimes that's about building relationships. Right. Uh, so the self-management piece, you know if you have a conflict with someone at work, how are you going to handle that is pretty important to your employee, employer.
0: And really, uh, intelligence, just IQ has very, very little to do with whether mm-hmm. people are getting along or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, and often people with really, really high IQs have a hard time mm-hmm. understanding uh, their emotion and being able to ex- express them. Yeah. Um, so in in you know, big companies where you have a lot of people with often high IQs, getting mm-hmm. them to, to start feeding that <laughs> flame of emotional intelligence just really helps everybody.
1: This idea of self-management really makes me think of coping skills, of coping strategies, um... That might sound a little y clinic clinically Clin- uh, <laughs> clinic-y. clinic-y. but uh you know again, it's kind of like developing these strategies to deal with your distressing emotions, so mm-hmm. like how are you going to cope with things when they go downhill yeah <laughs> um. One of my favorite things that is like usually my go-to coping skill when people ask me is take a bubble bath.
0: Really?
1: I love, like, if I'm super stressed out, I will go take a bubble bath, put some music on, light some candles. It's it's, it's just very relaxing. I, like, put my phone away. Yeah. You know, I'm not, honestly, it's really just, like, a good break from your phone. Um, but sometimes it's just I need to go for a walk. Um you know, I think a big area that we get into trouble in, in our society is the drinking to cope, um, to numb, any kind of numbing, yeah, mm -hmm, to numb the feelings because they are distressing at times and that's really uncomfortable. And we, we haven't really been able to identify the feelings. So it's hard to look at, it's hard to understand, how to actually cope with it in a more healthy way. So the easy, fun, soci- societally accepted thing to do is to go out and get drink.
0: Right. And you go through a breakup and it's like, mm-hmm. oh no, we're going to get you drunk so you can just...
1: Yeah, forget you know, all about forget it.
0: Forget all about it, right.
1: <laughs> um, but there are actually some really important things to uncover there. Exactly. Um, and so one for me, like... I don't drink, but I love to go out dancing. Mm. Like when I dance, I just zone out and it's a nice like little relief. It's, I mean, kind of healthy for you because you're exercising. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably like one of the only ways I actually exercise. Um, and I love to sing. Like I'm not super good at it, but I'll sometimes just go in my car <laughs>
0: Little karaoke?
1: Yes, some karaoke. Just go for a drive and I just sing at the top of my freaking lungs. Um, and of course, another big one is snuggling with the cats. The cats. Just, they make me so happy.
0: <laughs> There's a really great uh, kind of story analogy that uh, Liz Gilbert used in her book, Big Magic. Hmm. The, the book is a fantastic book. I highly recommend it, uh, but it's it's really about the, the creative process. And one of the great stories she tells in there uh, is about fear, mm. and we often have this relationship with with fear, where fear can can be a controlling factor in what yeah. we're able to do. So she has this great analogy where she says, if you're if you're driving, uh, you know, fear is allowed to be in the car, but it can't be in the driver's seat, and yeah. it, can't be in charge of the music. Like you got to keep it in the back seat. Like <laughs> it's, it's got, it's going to have something to say. You can't just kick it out and pretend it doesn't exist because it, it may, it's there. It has, it, it's kept you alive your whole life. You know, you think of your, your fear mechanism that's yeah. like, don't Fight go there because you might die.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's, it's, it's got its purpose. And so you can't just say fear is, I should have no fear, but you also can't let it, drive. Yeah. You can't let it sit in the driver's seat. And I think a lot of our emotions are that way, where they want to... You know, you come up to a stoplight, they want to open the door and say, get out. You know, Anxiety wants to just take over and be like, you got us this far and you got us in trouble. You go get in the trunk. And it wants to take over. But we need to say, no. You go sit in the back seat. Say what you need to say. But you can't take over driving. And you can't take over the music because we're going to... I think some emotions, though, they'll come in, maybe joy happiness, those, maybe they'll, they could sit in the front seat. They can, they can, they can mess <laughs> with the music a little bit. Uh, but a lot of the emotions, maybe some of those red emotions, mm-hmm. we, we, we can't let them, we can't let them take over, Yeah, but we also have to acknowledge
1: Experience them. them and yeah. we have to
0: listen to what they have to say. Even if we listen just to say, no, this anxiety has maybe saved me in, from something in the past, but I actually do need to move into this vulnerable place. Mm-hmm. And I, and and so thank you for speaking up, but also, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna manage you differently.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot.
0: Yeah, get in the back seat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm the, I'm the captain of this car.
0: <laughs> no. Some of them are just—I mean—they'll just play Adele. All you know, the other start handing you wine and playing Adele, and just like no, I know, they just take they over. They just automatically
1: go to that breakup essentials playlist. And
0: breakup essentials,
1: <laughs> and you're like, oh.
0: Which is good. Maybe they can suggest a song or yeah, two, and you listen. Maybe to it like and you get one your cry or two songs, but... and then
1: then you know get back in the backseat. <laughs>
0: That's a, a, another another way, and, and we're going to get into this a little bit later when we talk about some of our um, ways to increase emotional intelligence. But often in the in the process of or in the practice of meditation, uh, often our, our our thoughts are described as clouds moving across the sky. Like when you're mm-hmm. when you're developing a meditation practice, thoughts are able to to come, and then it's not about pretending that they're not there but it's about letting them just continue acknowledging them and letting them not define the sky the sky is the sky that can have clouds in it Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but sometimes they just gotta whisp by or they gotta drop their rate and move on and we can't just can't you can't hold on to a cloud you just have to let it
1: I love all this imagery you're giving me right now. I
0: love imagery and analogy because <laughs> if you can understand a thing,
1: yeah, you can compare. No, I'm a to very visual sun. person, so that actually really helps me. Um, another uh, concept, along with the self-management, is self-control, um, and uh, for me, when I think about that, I mean, especially in a workplace setting, but even in your personal life too. When something comes up and makes you kind of start feeling those feelings and you're like, oh my gosh, Um, being able to like get that under control uh, and not be impulsive in that. You know, there's certainly a uh, a notion of letting yourself feel the feelings, but also of knowing that like there's appropriate times and kind of taking over, like you were saying, being in the driver's seat of that, that like... I decide when you come up in the front seat um, and reminding yourself that you're in control of that, not mm. the emotions.
0: Again, I'll, I'll, I'll hearken to a, a meditation practice, which is creating a little bit, trying to create a little space mm-hmm. there and, and not denying the emotion, but creating yeah. a space before the reaction mm-hmm. of acknowledge it, allow some space, even if it's a breath, mm-hmm. and then moving forward, we'll keep yeah will keep that emotion from spiraling into who knows where and keep you out of a reactive state and in an active intentional state.
1: Yeah. And that's one of the biggest pieces that I think about with self-management is the response versus reaction. Uh, And that's one thing, you know, I brought up emotional intelligence on the show in this sense that like, what are we looking for in relationships? And for me, I was like, yeah, I want my partner to have like, a good level of emotional intelligence. Um, and a large part of that, that I've struggled with in my past relationships was, uh, my partner's reacting a lot as opposed to responding to me. And oftentimes I was very impulsive reaction. It was very, um, it was a very emotional reaction, very raw. Uh, but it didn't actually lead to any like productive conversations. And if they had taken that space to maybe have a few breaths to maybe say, you know, a whole other concept of taking a time out in a conversation, uh, when you're reacting too much to take a walk, (laughs) um, you know, to say, wait, I need a minute before we continue this conversation or, um, just this, this notion of, you know, my piece isn't getting heard because, my partner is so wrapped up right now in mm. what their emotions are that they can't um you know respond instead i'm just getting a bunch of different reactions thrown at me
0: It's like they did step one of self awareness of knowing they, they they figured out what the emotion was
1: i don't even think i don't even think that they were able to identify it it oh. was just the the emotion was in the front seat it was driving it just took
0: <laughs> over and they just began re- responding yes. as reaction to the emotion Mm -hmm. instead of with any kind of cognitive recognition
1: exactly and then that would take so much emotional energy on my part then to like walk them through that to be like okay hold on a second you know what is going on here because i feel like you're really reacting very strongly and then it'd be this whole conversation you know and then it's totally separate from what the initial conflict was. And so that was where like emotional intelligence became something I looked into more and became really important for me because I was like, this issue keeps coming up in my relationships and causing a lot of issues.
0: Um, I'm, I'm sure there's people that are identifying exactly with what you're saying in that they maybe have a partner. Mm-hmm. That does respond or they find themselves yeah doing maybe that. they're but that partner if if they notice that trend inside their relationship, either coming from them or coming from their partner, what is it you would say to them what's kind of step one of the thing to be mindful of?
1: I mean, I can speak on what what I did, and I think Take that a was bath. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I did then was to give space to my partner mm. um, I tried to. <laughs> This is the third piece, empathy. Um, but I tried to be very empathetic to what my partner was experiencing and understanding that, um, they are very much in a reactive emotional state and we're not going to be able to have a productive conversation about this conflict right now. So I'm going to put the conflict aside and I'm going to try to share some space with my partner to let them move through these emotions. Um,
0: so if, they, if as they're reacting you don't just react to the reaction but you kind of yeah. take you want to fight that
1: fire with fire. Road,
0: not in a not in a better than thou way but like a um a leading by example of
1: yeah kind of like an understanding yeah. an understanding they're like okay we've moved to a different place now and even though I'm upset or I'm hurt I see that you know we're not going to be able to move past this because something in this conflict or in this conversation has triggered something else within you and your emotions are now in the front seat and are reacting to everything else that's occurring. And and sometimes that's super hard to do. And there's actually a concept I heard in uh, a different podcast that I actually really love was this, this uh, concept of a TMM, a temporary moment of maturity, which mm. I think does take a certain level of emotional intelligence. Um, and that is the temporary moment of maturity. The TMM is essentially what I just described. It's knowing that in this conflict, your partner has been triggered by something. And it's one of you kind of setting your stuff aside for a few minutes to help give, your, give that open space for your partner to be vulnerable and assist them in walking through that space. And then you switch then your partner has a TMM and helps you work through it. That's like right. very ideal, you know, for how you'd like the conflicts to go. Right. Um, and one thing that I found was that, and this is concept, you know, I would explain in my relationships and then I was just always the one only doing the TMMs. Now I wasn't getting that in return. And so that is one thing I would say to you guys, like if that's something that you do practice in your relationship, make sure that you ask for that back, you know, because, both sides of the situation deserve to be processed and even in in a work thing you know like you may be really upset about um something that occurs at work or something might have hurt your feelings and if you talk to your boss or coworker about it whatever you know you kind of i believe in, in the workplace you know hopefully you're giving that person a certain level of respect when you go and have that conversation and of making sure that you're taking that same level of respect and applying it in your romantic relationships or familial relationships or platonic relationships um, and applying that same level of respect um, with these TMMs. That and was a whole other level.
0: <laughs> yeah. But that seems to kind of fit in with thing number four, component number four. Um, we, we started with self-awareness. And then we moved through self-management to empathy.
1: I think we should maybe discuss empathy a little more. Okay. Before number four is skilled relationships, which was kind of what I was getting into a little bit.
0: Yeah, those TMMs with, I think are part of mm-hmm. skilled relationship interactions.
1: Yeah, but and and even with the TMM, that takes a level, certain level of empathy. I think that was why I brought it up. Um, right. <laughs> you know, that to be able to kind of. Uh, see what someone else is feeling and understand their perspective it's it 's a vulnerable place to be in you um, you you look for something similar to that feeling within yourself mm-hmm. within something that you 've experienced in order to convey a level of understanding and empathy there 's a really um One of my favorite researchers, Brene Brown, she has a video that's like a TED Talk animation, empathy versus sympathy. Um, And it lays it out really well, actually, because empathy and sympathy are very different. Um, I did a... When I worked doing group counseling with uh, substance abuse rehabilitation, we did a, a group on this one day and it was actually really fun. We did these like exercises back and forth, like practicing uh giving an empathetic response versus giving a sympathetic response.
0: Oh, interesting. Um
1: but, you know, in they're her... often
0: often confused. They're mm-hmm. often really seen as oh, the same thing, you know.
1: Yeah, but, but they're know. like you get a totally different feeling. Um so say that kit your this is so sad. Say your cat just passed away.
0: Oh, no. Don't don't do that. <laughs> I don't
1: know. Example that came so, in my head. So are you
0: trying to just break <laughs> me right right away? Let's go. Let's go straight to the jugular. To kick. Okay. Your okay. cat died.
1: Say you lost. Say you lost your favorite guitar. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and I'll give you two responses. Okay. The first is like you come to me. You're like tearing up a little bit, telling me all about how this was your favorite guitar and how you lost it and all of that. Okay. So the first response I'll give you is well. At, at least you have a bunch of other guitars. Okay. That sucks for you. Yeah. That would be sympathy.
0: Yeah. It's, it's acknowledging but not really feeling it. It's just...
1: hmm Second response would be like, oh, that's really hard. I know what it's like to lose something that's really important to you. And I know that this is a really hard time for you and... I'll sit here with you and have this space for you because I know that's really not easy and I can see you're really hurt by it.
0: At least it wasn't my cat. <laughs> <laughs> Silver
1: linings. Silver. <laughs> not empathy. Lining.
0: <laughs> so self-awareness is is something that it seems like you move you move through self-awareness into self-management and you move through self-management into empathy. Mm-hmm. But then you move through empathy into...
1: Skilled relationships. Skilled
0: relationships.
1: It kind of puts it all together. It's like combining everything together and applying it in your social life. Because the emotional intelligence overall is kind of about reflecting within. And then the last kind of component kind of touches on the social intelligence, which is another concept that Goldman talks about, um, but the social intelligence is kind of between you and another person, whereas the emotional intelligence is just between you. And this last component of emotional intelligence kind of is the transition into that.
0: Into taking the things that you've uh Reflected learned, on within yourself. Within yourself, yeah. Yeah. And seeing that in other people.
1: Let's talk about this- skilled relationship, what does that even mean?
0: Can I use another analogy?
1: Analogies are welcome. Okay.
0: <laughs> this one might get a little heady, so I hope you can, you can follow Okay, with me. Uh, emotional intelligence, I can look at like a game of chess. There's two levels to chess. First is you have to know the way that each piece moves. It's a very, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a certain set thing. This moves here, this moves there, that moves there. It captures like this, et cetera. But there's all these other layers to playing a chess game where each piece and what it can do is extremely affected by all the other pieces on the board. And one move by you or by your opponent can change the relationship of all the pieces on the board. So it's one thing to understand, okay, a pawn moves two squares and then captures sideways and a bishop moves diagonally. But it's another thing to understand that if my bishop's here, it's protecting this. And there's an incredibly interwoven relationship between all the pieces. And a good chess player isn't someone that just knows what they are, but knows that if they make a move, it affects what the other, uh, all the other pieces on the board. And when they're looking at the moves their opponents are making, they're not just looking at that move, but they're looking at how it relates and how it's interacting and affecting every single other potential outcome on the board. So for me, getting it all the way to to skilled relationships is about being able to zoom out enough to say, okay, I can identify these emotions mm-hmm. and and I can also identify... relationship with each other. And then I can also then maybe see how moves that I'm making and that moves that other people are making are affecting all these sometimes complicated Mm -hmm. interactions, but um, it's about continuing to zoom out Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and see the interrelatedness.
1: Yeah. And I feel like as you're able to do that, you're able to manage the relationships more effectively. You're able to help deescalate, words are hard, <laughs> able to help like deescalate situations, um, able to, you know, uh, initiate change. Um, your communication is clear and, you know, connecting. Um, and I feel like it's also kind of a part of having that influence on other people as well that that internal work that you've been doing is also kind of reflected in the way that you are interacting with other people. Which like, uh, one thing that I find slightly difficult slash frustrating when discussing this topic is there's this notion that like, if you are emotionally intelligent, then you should be able to handle every situation perfectly. You should be able to interact with anyone and you should have no problems in your life because you know all (laughs) of your emotions.
0: Right. And it's like, wait, what? Well, (laughs) that's like saying that becomes someone is smart. They should be able to, you know, ace every pop quiz ever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's sometimes being in smart is about knowing how to learn. It's about knowing yeah. how to, to apply it. And I think emotional intelligence is the exact same in that it's not a thing that is, uh, anyone's ever perfect at.
1: Yeah, no. And I think f- like for me, I mean, I've been, you know, exploring and really digging deep in this concept of emotional intelligence, um, for like the last few years now. And, I learn all the time, like a large part of, um, improving your EQ is taking advantage of the opportunities that you're given. And we don't always ace those. They don't always, (laughs) uh, (laughs) I,
0: I failed so many and I go back and look sometimes at different interactions of like, well. Didn't do that one right. That one didn't well, go very well. <laughs> but I, I, I think it's it's more important to be able to to stop and and reflect on that than it is just to uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> judge yourself because I've I've messed up a lot.
1: So now that I, hopefully you guys have a really good um, idea of kind of these different components in emotional intelligence and what emotional intelligence means or is. Um, one thing I always get asked is. How do you improve your emotional intelligence? <laughs> yes, um, and there are a few ways to do that. Um, we'll kind of go through and discuss them, and like kind of share personally some of the things that we've done to help improve ours. Maybe we'll include some failures in there. <laughs> <laughs> they're not failures; they're just learning opportunities. Learning opportunities,
0: it's exactly. Just a growing exactly.
1: experience. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so many, all the time. Um, one of the most important ones that I've, I've found to be, um, effective is just overall mindfulness. Uh, I think any kind of mindfulness or especially a, a kind of meditative practice, anytime that's a, that, that becomes a practice, it helps us take one step back, whether it's learning the habit through meditation of taking one step back from the constant chatter in our minds, uh.
1: And there really is constant chatter. And it's
0: constant chatter. and It's and-
1: all the time. If you guys haven't like stopped to like take a listen, like it's probably taking you on a side page from listening to this podcast, even that like your inner monologue is just like gone off. Yeah. And sometimes I'll be like Constantly. reading a book and I have to go back and reread the whole freaking paragraph. Cause I'm like, I don't even know what I just <laughs> read. My brain just went off and it's a whole different space.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's, that's part of what it means to be human. And we can't. Mm-hmm. We can't necessarily just turn that off, but we can allow a little space between the thoughts. And I think we can allow a little space between the emotions.
1: I want to call you mindful man.
0: Mindful man.
1: You guys are going to see all throughout this podcast, Kit is always going to bring up mindfulness. And it's a very good thing.
0: I for sure will.
1: It's great. I struggle with doing it. So it's like a practice that I attempt to practice.
0: (laughs) But it's... That's the beauty of it. Is, yes. is it's never a thing that it's 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 not even pass fail. It's just mm-hmm. it's it's a practice of of creating a little yeah. bit of space for the thoughts and a little bit of space for the emotion. You
1: have to be very kind with yourself.
0: Yes, and and to do it and to do it kindly. And that's and th- and that is also one of the most effective things I've I've learned about meditation. It's any great meditation teacher will say, don't worry, don't freak out about. Yeah. being perfect you know there's no such thing as a perfect meditation practice there's and i mean there are i'm sure some monks in tibet that can meditate for 24 hours solid but that's you most most of us aren't meant to be monks in tibet most of us yeah. are meant to be people living lives and <laughs> uh and and we can always take a small second and just step back let that cloud pass through the sky if it needs to yeah just sometimes let it go Sometimes it's going to rain. Sometimes yeah. you just got to say, okay, but the rain isn't the sky and the cloud isn't the sky. The sky is the sky. And sometimes the cloud has to just be able to pass through. So that's, that's my initial, um,
1: you're like my favorite friend to <laughs> ever. <laughs> that's great. Oh, thank you. One of the, uh, apps that I use for meditation, uh, headspace, um, They use the analogy of like cars going by, like you're sitting Mm -hmm. on a bench watching cars go by on the street and you just, you don't pay any specific attention to any of the cars and the cars are your thoughts. Um, Yeah. And you just let it go by and you're like, okay, that went, that one went okay, but not having any sort of like, you know, specific emotional reaction to the thoughts, just letting them be there, just observing them.
0: Well, this wasn't an uh, ad for that app, but <laughs> if they do want to contact us, and we could do some thorough yes, reviews, yes, absolutely.
1: I literally, I always recommend that app to everyone. Yeah. That's like, how do you practical practice mindfulness? And I'm like, well, this one works for me.
0: Yeah, there are so many um, guided meditations on YouTube mm-hmm. and uh, all over the place. That yeah, um, there's a great book called Unplugged that I've read. Um, with all sorts of very, very simple and very practical uh, meditations that help us create up that little bit of space with our thoughts yeah. and through that practice, able to create a little space between our emotions.
1: Yeah. And with the practicing of the mindfulness, you know, how that specifically will help increase EQ is, I mean, what I think is in the self-awareness piece um, will help you when you're giving yourself that space to kind of observe these thoughts and observe these feelings, um, that you're able to then actually identify them and become much more aware of them. If you don't take that second or 30 seconds or a few minutes to sit with that and experience it and feel what it is, um, then you won't know how to manage it. You won't know how to deal with it um, because you won't really know what it is. (laughs) Right. So. The mindfulness piece, I think, is really, really powerful. Um, another way to kind of help boost EQ is honestly just active listening.
0: Listening of your own inner dialogue and monologue, or uh, or of others, or both. Both. Yeah. Being aware, uh, learning to see in other people what what their reactions are is
1: mm-hmm.
0: not just data. Uh, yes
1: because when you're actively listening, you're also opening your mind to what that person is saying. And actually not even active listening. I'm going to say mindful listening. Yeah. Cause that's one piece, like again, in my relationships that I've struggled with where I'm like, you're not mindfully listening to everything that I'm saying. Like (laughs) that piece can be very frustrating for me. Um, Because you don't want someone to just be listening to you to respond to you.
0: Which we do to other people and we do that to ourselves. We listen to our emotions just like, oh, how am I supposed to react to this?
1: Yes. Like people also want to be listened to to be heard Mm -hmm. and to be understood and to give that to ourselves and also to practice giving that to others.
0: Right, right.
1: Can boost that EQ.
0: Uh, and I think one way to do that is to have a support system. Yeah. Have friends that you can say those things to mm-hmm. that that you know are going to listen. Um,
1: or a therapist.
0: Or a therapist. Also a great option.
1: <laughs> Kids can be mindful, man, and I'm just going to recommend therapy all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Maybe this we'll was switch be a trend. someday. <laughs> I do. We might.
0: <laughs> I'm going to get addicted to therapy.
1: Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean. A hundred percent going to therapy like helps you to identify what those feelings are mm-hmm. to you know how to cope with them how to manage that um, how to become a little bit more socially aware and how you deal with your relationships practicing empathy I mean and the good thing too about like practicing that with your support system your friends your family um, is that that they give you opportunities on a daily basis to be empathetic right. Um, and honestly, in being empathetic, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable space where you're having to like check in with yourself too. So if you can be mindful and present in that moment, when you practice that, um, that is like a hundred percent working your emotional intelligence.
0: Yes. <laughs> and I, it, it's, it's also a journey. It's not a thing that yeah. is, it's not a, no, no one arrives and gets yeah. a, gets in a, an EQ certificate that they just get to be like, yeah. oh, look, I, I I arrived. There's always, <laughs> yeah. That the, na- the nature of yeah. it is that once we figure out one thing, something mm-hmm. else shows up. It does. And I mean, it's, it's beauty
1: because Beautiful emotional intelligence is so different from IQ. It's not like you're smart or you're dumb. It's not like you're emotionally intelligent or you're not. Um, it's I look at it like progress. Like I don't look mm-hmm. at progress as. Um, a straight line like going upwards on a graph. Like progress can look all different kinds of ways. Um, you can take the smallest little baby step forward and that's still progress. You can have, you know, a minute of self-reflection mm-hmm. and on working on your self-awareness. And that's a step towards increasing your emotional intelligence.
0: Exactly. Um, and it gets easier the more you do it.
1: Yeah. And And it's okay if it doesn't go the way you would have hoped. It's okay um, if you're trying to manage an emotion and it gets a hold of you and that emotion ends up in the front seat and you're listening to the entire Breakup Essentials playlist (laughs) on Apple Music. um, You know... (laughs) That's yeah. okay if that happens sometimes because yeah, you can't be perfect in it, um, totally not at all expected, and hopefully you don't put that pressure on yourself um, one thing you know I've experienced being in the mental health field is that you know you're kind of held to a different standard as someone that works in the field, which is something we'll talk about in a later episode, but um, you are held under this different standard and there's all this added pressure that like you should be hundred percent emotionally intelligent. You should be able to handle every situation exactly properly and well. And it's like, well, no, because I'm human too. And, you know, I'm, I have my own experiences and my own biases and, um, I'm not always going to be able to handle everything perfectly. One of the last kind of points here that we'll talk about to improve EQ is um, working on being open to feedback and to growth opportunities. Um, This one I feel like you have to be a little bit careful with because (laughs) not everyone's feedback you got to listen to.
0: Sometimes you got to put them in the backseat too. Yes. Or just drive away. Throw him out the freaking car <laughs> yeah. sometimes. Yeah.
1: Um, Brene Brown, again, love her. Yeah, she's um, great. There's a quote she has from Theodore Roosevelt about, you know, the critic, um, the guy who's in the arena covered in blood and sweat. I'm butchering this quote, but you'll get the gist. Right. Um, <laughs> this guy that's in the arena, you know, he's working really hard, got blood and sweat all over him. Um and he has all these critics that are in the stands just you know enjoying themselves um and that their feedback isn't actually necessary um that the feedback that matters is from the people who are actually in the arena too yeah and that are working their butts off as well that that's the feedback that you should be interested in it, for those people that are daring greatly is exactly. the end of the quote. Um, and that's one thing that I look at a lot with EQ. Um, you know, if, if someone's giving me feedback and I know that they are not investing as well in their own like personal growth, then usually I feel like that's coming from a place of strong judgment from that other person. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, eh, that's great, but no, thanks.
0: But then it is, on the other hand, then important to have the people around that, yes. that are, are encouraging you the right way, that when they say something, you do give it mm-hmm. weight because they have a proven track record of being trustworthy in what they have to say.
1: And if you're listening right now and you feel like you don't have any of those people, you can find one in the therapist.
0: You can. <laughs> you can also <laughs> find therapist plugs in your, your inner... <laughs> Your inner guru.
1: Yes. That you can um, access
0: through mindfulness. Yes. <laughs> and also get a therapist, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or um, at least a friend of piss. Yes. At least can, a
1: friend of piss. You
0: can trust and talk through it.
1: Yes. And, you know, the, the growth opportunities, you'll find those, they present themselves every day. You just have to be open to it. For me, one of those big things was like going on the show. I was like, well, this could be an interesting opportunity to reflect on myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just kind of looking at every opportunity that you get throughout the day as an opportunity to like work on yourself.
0: Yeah. Just- I, I sometimes <laughs> think back to that, just those few weeks right before you went on the show.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And we, were, we would uh, we'd go around Green Lake. We did that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And you'd, you'd stop and you'd ask me a bunch of questions and I'd say a couple of <laughs> things and you're like... Okay, you were uh, rollerblading, well, I think. Yeah. And you put your headphones back in and be like, okay, I'll think about that. And then you'd go off and like, we'd do another lap and ask a couple more questions. You, you actually were very thoughtful even going into the show. You were like, this is going to impact a lot of things. And uh,
1: I knew it was going to be a very vulnerable thing to go do.
0: Yes. Because you're not the kind of person that, um, that you're, you're an authentic person. And you like you like to present that that authenticity, but you also you're not a uh, you're not one to just spray it all over the place like whoa yeah. with your personality. Um, <laughs> I don't shove like, it all out. You there like to people. take a little time, and then you don't really necessarily get that time when you got a camera in your face and a
1: and mm-hmm. a producer
0: and these interactions with people that you just meet. And so you knew it was going to be a Very lot of intense. things you weren't used to. Um, but you you did it. You went into it you it kind also, of pushed into that vulnerable place which mm-hmm. is
1: it's definitely a great learning opportunity it was it's a great learning experience um but yeah so we should wrap it up yeah. with a little bit of i'm gonna say homework because that's what i've always referred to it as And maybe that's not the best word. (laughs) Um, It sounds
0: like a chore. Yeah. Bad association.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But like an action plan to kind of take away. So before recording, Kit and I were kind of discussing some different action plans and ways to kind of like reflect on this episode. Um, So we're going to give you one as kind of like a take home, um, you know, challenge or, action plan or homework, whatever you want to call it, Um, and maybe you'll come up with your own and maybe there's something that really stuck out to you in this episode that you're going to really think on and exercise and practice this week. And um, that's great too, if it's not one of the things that we suggest. um, And
0: if you do, please tell us, send us an email or get in touch with us on Instagram and, and tell us what you do to kind of steer you a little more into the direction of uh, approaching emotional intelligence with a little more intentionality. Yeah. So what is it that we can do now, though, and then talk about that will push us that way? One thing that I think would be a great start is if we start at the very beginning with our own sense of self-awareness and just begin to find some words to put around what these emotions are that we're that we're feeling.
1: Yeah, that's kind of like the, the building blocks of it. So it's a good place to start.
0: So here's what I'm going to do over the next few days, once a day, if I can, as early in the day as I, as I can, before things get too crazy, I'm just going to write down, say, three emotions, maybe even looking at this uh, periodic table of, of human emotions and just say, what, what are some, you know, emotions can be so abstract and they can be so...
1: Hard to identify. Hard. Yeah.
0: Just, and, and just being able to say, okay, I'm feeling this... This and this, not analyzing them yet, not trying to do anything with them other than just show some self-awareness about them. Especially if I notice at some point during the day that I'm feeling a strong emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I do, I'm going em- I can be an emotional guy. Um, <laughs> And just just learn which to which like is not a those.
1: bad thing.
0: No, there's a whole thing that we should do at some point because yeah. I had I, I had a whole series of thoughts on male versus females in emotional intelligence.
1: So one of the things that I'm going to work on um, is actually identifying some more concrete strategies to manage my distressing emotions. Um, one of them I actually exercised today. Uh, I did not want to get out of bed. I was feeling a little bit sad and was having some thoughts that were making me even more sad. And it's like, all I want to do is just stay in bed. Yeah, I don't want to get out of bed. I want to stay in bed and snuggle my cats and like just zone out. And I had a therapy appointment and then I was like, I got to go. It's like, I got to go do this. I know it will be good for me. I don't want to necessarily get up and go do this right now, but I know when I come back home, I'll be feeling much better. And that was actually a very effective strategy to help cope with my feelings. But that doesn't happen every day. So
0: you don't have therapy every day. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of, you got to lead don't. by example. <laughs> therapy every day. No. <laughs> <laughs> so what what do you do on the days that, or what can you do on the days you don't have therapy to yeah. get up for?
1: So shared some of my coping skills a little bit earlier in the podcast. Um, and that's kind of going to be something I'm going to really reflect on to get a little bit more concrete with throughout the week. Um, and again, kind of before that, doing the same thing, you're going to work on Kit, which is just like identifying those emotions, like actually writing those down isn't something I, I do a lot. I mean, I'll journal and usually I try to start my journal off with, I'm feeling blank and right. go from there. And I try to do at least one page. Um, but my journaling isn't always consistent. Um, that's definitely something I struggle with. Uh, I used to have an app on my phone, actually, that was like super helpful. I'll look up the name of that again and share that at some point. But um, getting more concrete and actually putting out there what I'm feeling and how I can manage that feeling or how I can harness that positive emotion um, is going to be my kind of little takeaway. My little homework.
0: Well, I look forward to um, sharing with you what I'm experiencing and I look forward to hearing from you, but yeah. uh, how you take this to the next level with Your own practices, and I also look forward to hearing from anyone else who has a a method or or a thing that they want to try.
1: Yeah, I want to hear from all of you guys.
0: Um,
1: Just like we're kind of learning throughout all of this and through life, we want to learn with you guys too. So we like, I really value your guys' impact because, like we said earlier, you know about being in the arena. uh, I feel like you guys all that are listening, like this uh, you are stepping into the arena when you come and listen to our podcast so a thank you for that if you've gotten
0: all the way to the end then (laughs) i mean
1: (laughs) then we definitely want your feedback (laughs) and want to learn from you you know hopefully you guys have learned a few things from us today and we both want to learn from you guys Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Let's Talk About It. We'll be back next week with another episode, and we hope you join us. Surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do
0: the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity.